Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Now, um, it's two weeks ago now, it's supposed to be last Sunday, it was two weeks ago now, we, uh, we began this series talking about discipleship and what it means to drop everything and follow Jesus. And we began the story with Simon, how Jesus showed up unannounced to Simon's house, and uh, Simon had to let him off the porch, and, had to, and, and he came in and he restored the house, uh, brought uh, Simon's uh, mother-in-law back to health. And uh, we talked about how Jesus, through that, was preparing Simon to a place where he would be able to um, receive uh, Jesus' invitation to drop everything and follow him. We pick up Simon a month or two later. Um, Jesus has been uh, preaching to all the synagogues uh, in the in the tri-state area. <laughs> he's uh, all the synagogues around uh, Capernaum, and uh, so he's been on the road. And Simon has not seen Jesus as much. And so we pick up with Simon. It's been a couple of months. Wow, that was an amazing weekend. But his life has sort of got back to normal. And so uh, Jesus shows up unannounced at work. And so that's where you pick up Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of our Lord. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats with They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So it was a cold winter's day. And an old man uh, went out on a frozen lake and went ice fishing. He cut himself a hole and uh, he let down his line. 
and he sat there for about an hour and a half, bundled up, shivering, trying to catch something, and nothing was biting. And then a, uh, a young boy comes up alongside of him, puts his chair down, cuts his hole, lets down his line, and it's maybe five minutes, and, uh, and suddenly uh, his line starts tightening, and he pulls out a largemouth bass. And the man looks at him, <laughs> beginner's luck. Uh, he, he, sets, uh, he sets the bass with his stuff. He lets his line down again. Maybe another five or six minutes, he catches another one. And then another one, and then another one. And finally, the old man looks at him and says, Son, I have been sitting here all morning with my line down, trying to catch some fish, and I've not caught anything. What are you doing different? And the little boy looks at the man and says, We're after eat the rum from. He says, What? We're after eat the rum from. What? And the little boy spits the bait out into his hands and he says, You have to keep the worms warm. <laughs> it's a silly story. But I think it leads us to a serious question. How far are you willing to go to catch some fish? Now, I think when we're talking about physical fish, most of us would draw the line somewhere before storing the bait in our mouth. I hope. But we're not talking about physical fish, right? We're talking about that, that, that vocation to which all of us in here are called, the catching of souls. And so I ask you, how far are you willing to go to catch some fish? I think most of us, if we've been raised in the church, would say, why? To the ends of the earth and back. I would follow Jesus anywhere to catch souls with him. That's a good answer. That would get you a, like a gold star on your forehead in Sunday school, right? But is that true? Do we really mean that? How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to quit your job like Levi, the tax collector? Would you be willing to give up all of your possessions like Jesus asked a rich young ruler to do? Would you be willing to leave your family behind like James and John? Would you go to the ends of the earth and back the way the Apostle Paul did? Would you take up your cross and be crucified the way Peter eventually would. How far are you willing to go to follow Jesus and catch fish? It's an important question for us to consider as we talk about discipleship. In the 14th chapter of Luke, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, he tells them a parable. He says, if you're going to be a disciple, you need to count the cost. Like, like a builder who's setting out to, to build a tower. 
before he ever builds the tower, he, he, he's going to count and make sure he has enough bricks, make sure he has enough manpower, has enough uh, resources, or else he'll get into the middle of the project and he won't be able to finish it. Or if a king goes to war, Jesus says, won't he first consider if he has enough troops to win the war? Because if he goes out into the field with, with a thousand soldiers and the enemy has 4,000, he'll lose. Likewise, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost. Do you have what it takes to make it to the end? I think most of us, present company included, if we did sort of a, a spiritual audit at the beginning of 2019, we realize the answer to that question, how far are we willing to go, is not nearly far enough. Quit my job? Am I even willing to stick my neck out at work if I see someone being mistreated? Or, or to talk to someone at work about Jesus? Give up my possessions? I don't know about you all, but I'm not even typing at 10% yet. Leave my family behind? Some of us leave our families behind on Sunday mornings to come to church, but I don't think that's what Jesus has in mind. The ends of the earth? How about the ends of Ranger? Have we been to the ends of Ranger yet? I don't know about you all, but I, t I talk a good game about taking up that cross and carrying that cross, but if I'm honest, I dropped that thing at the first sign of splinters. So this morning, we have to count the cost. I'm not here to bum you all out, by the way, you know. Um, but I do think sometimes we've got to be knocked off our perch a little bit before we can hear the gospel. Or else we risk being that guy that doesn't know the gospel is for him. Right? That, that these words are meant for somebody else and I'm okay. Sometimes we have to be knocked off our perch just a little bit because we need to know the ones, that, that we're the ones that need to hear this word this morning because there's good news in our story. See, at the beginning of our passage this morning, Simon is willing to go a couple more yards and not much further to catch fish with Jesus. By the time he gets on shore, he's willing to drop everything and follow Jesus wherever he goes. Something pretty incredible happened in Simon's heart on that boat. And that's something, something we need to happen in our heart in 2019. So story starts... Uh, it's been months. Simon's not seen Jesus in a while. And he just shows up at work and he commandeers his vessel. Right? Jesus shows up and, uh, and he's got this crowd of people behind wanting to hear him speak. 
Now, in the ancient world, you didn't, I mean, you didn't have your own, like, like karaoke machine you could carry around with you if, if you wanted to speak to a large group of people. And so you had to take advantage of the natural acoustics. And one trick a speaker could use is if you could, uh, if you could paddle out onto a body of water, sound travels further on water. And so uh, Jesus sees these boats. He hops in one of them. And he says, oh, Simon, he'll, he'll put me out. And, uh, and so he just, he just jumps into Simon's boat and starts ordering him around. Now, here's the thing. Simon has been out all night catching fish. See, in Galilee, professional fishing was done at night. That's when the fish are feeding. That's when you get the highest yield. And so, I mean, you could go out during the day and, and, and catch some fish for fun, but like the professional fishing was done at night. And so they've been out all night. They're cleaning their nets, getting all the barnacles and everything off, getting ready to go home. Jesus has commandeered the vessel. And imagine this, you've been up all night. And, uh, and you're just ready to go home and get in bed. Jesus has gotten the boat and says, Hey, I need to preach for about three hours. Would you row me out into the water uh, so I can preach to these people? And so Simon, probably feeling like he owes Jesus a little something for healing his mother-in-law, right? Obliges. And so they go out uh, and flash forward about three hours. Simon has barely got his eyes open. Uh, James and John are snoozing on the other end of the boat. And he's been listening to Jesus yammer about, you know, mustard seeds for about three hours. And he is ready to pack it up and go home. Now everyone's leaving. The preacher's finally done talking. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, why don't we put out a little further and uh, see if we can catch some fish? Now, what Simon says is, Master, we've tried all night, but we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. That's the text. Here's the subtext. Here's what he's thinking. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I have been up all night. Are, are you addled? Are you, you, you don't even know the first thing about fishing. If you really want to catch fish, you do it at night. And you don't do it out in the deep water. You do it close to shore where the oxygen is rich and where, where, where you know they're going to be. Are you insane? I have been up all night. I'm so tired. And, and this hick rabbi from Nazareth, a, a town where the biggest body of water is, is, is the well they've got in the middle of the town, is trying to talk to me about fishing. And what? Because he, uh, he came and, and healed my mother-in-law and she back to her old self, which thanks for that. <laughs> now I'm just like, I'm, I'm his genie in a bottle forever and I just have to do whatever comes into the bird brain head of his. And so what he says is, Master, we've been out all night 
and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Right, I think it's dripping with a little sarcasm. See, he calls Jesus master. Now, that word is not like the word that's traditionally translated as, as rabbi or, um, or, or lord or, or, or anything like that. Master, epistates, is chief. It's boss. It's foreman. It's you're the boss, boss. All right, we'll let down the nets. He's willing to go a couple yards and not much further to catch fish with Jesus. But you know what happens next. They let down the nets, they pull them up, and they're full of fish. They're bursting with fish. And and, and one, one pull after another, and both boats are filling up with fish flopping around and they are going to be set for months with this yield and everyone just so amazed and wow and then Simon falls to his knees why well Simon's a little bit like us it's a little slow on the uptake sometimes I think Simon just for a second there he's dumbfounded what's going on and he starts scanning around what are we doing differently here is it because we're in the in the middle of the lake out you know um, in the middle of the day no I've done that before I know you don't catch much in the middle of the lake out in the middle of the day are we, are we trying something different? There's some kind of different technique we're doing? No, we're doing what we always do. He sort of scans around the boat. What is going on? And then he locks eyes with the rabbi sitting in the back of the boat. It just... Oh. Jesus. He's the difference maker. Oh, that's, that's the X factor. Right? Because you see, when Jesus is in the boat, that's when, that's when the difference is made. Are you hearing me? Like, like we set out in this boat of life, right? And, and we're trying our own steam all through the night and we're not, we're not, we're not, we're coming up empty. But when Jesus is in that boat, Suddenly things start changing. That's the difference maker. And we've got all these blessings flopping around in there. We like to to think that, you know, we're like like Frank Sinatra, right? We we, we chart chart our own course. Each and every highway. And more than this, I dig it my way, right? That's the way we like to think of ourselves. But on our own strength, we come up empty. And when Jesus is in the boat, that makes all the difference. And suddenly, suddenly, Simon realizes this. And he falls to his knees. He says, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. 
couple minutes ago, it was, boss. Now it's, Lord. Right now it's that word is curios. That's not that's not what you call the foreman at work. Right? That that's not the head honcho. Curios is 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 the ultimate authority, Lord. If you're a Roman, that's Caesar. If if you're a Jew, that's God. If you're Peter standing in the middle of this boat, that's Jesus. Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. See, suddenly Simon is confronted with with this own sinfulness. He's in the presence of this, this holy difference maker, and he realizes everything that he is not. And suddenly he realizes, I've, I've been doing this all wrong. I've been trying to go on my own strength. I've been trying to, 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 to do this all by myself. Jesus came into my life once. He restored everything, and I let him get away. I should have followed after him then, and I didn't. I let him go away. I'm not going to make that same mistake again. Suddenly, Jesus isn't just this, uh, this miracle worker that, that happens by and, and then and blows out of town. Suddenly, Jesus is the Lord of his life. And that makes all the difference. Simon is the first person to do that thing that all of us are going to do eventually, right? His knee bows and his tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? So... They get back to the shore. First, Jesus says, get up. <laughs> right? Don't be afraid. Some people read that, don't be afraid, and, and, and they hear like, like, fear not, I shall not smite thee today. Right? You are free from my vengeful wrath. But, but, but I think Jesus is almost just a little bit embarrassed here. Right? Um, Simon's kneeling in front of him. He's like, don't be afraid. Get up. Let me tell you about the rest of your life. What you just saw here, small potatoes. Fish is easy. We're about to go do souls. We're about to go fish for souls. You get to follow me. So Simon... And James and John and everyone that sees what happened that day, they drop everything and they follow Jesus. The biggest yield of their lives, the thing that, that was gonna that's gonna set them for months. It's all flopping around and drying up back in those boats because they've left it behind. And they're going to follow Jesus. You drop everything. So how far are you willing to go to follow Jesus? How far are you willing to go to catch some fish?
When I was 16, I went on a mission trip to Guatemala. I thought I was pretty big stuff. I went to Guatemala for a week. I was a missionary. That is until I got down there and I met an actual missionary who was doing, like, for his life, what I was doing for a week. It was, uh, I'll never forget him. It was this man named Dr. John. Everyone called him Dr. John. You know, even the little Spanish-speaking children called him Dr. John. And uh, he was in his, uh, he was kind of in his late 40s, and he, you know, he, he'd been there um, uh, 15, maybe 20 years uh, working at this uh, Church of God school there in, uh, in Guatemala. And I sat there and I was talking to Dr. John one night and I was asking him about how he became a missionary. And he told the story. He said, I was, uh, I, I was going uh, to church in Indiana um, at this uh, big Church of God church. And, and those of you that don't know, the Church of God, like Indiana, is like Jerusalem. That's where they have their national headquarters. And, um, and so he, he belonged to this one of the biggest churches in the denomination. So I was in that church that, that Sunday morning. Um, I was a young uh, a pediatrician, just really just established my practice. And the missionary came from this school to, to speak to the church. And after he gave his presentation, he said, I want you to pray for us that God sends us a doctor who loves the Lord. I'll never forget, he said to me, as soon as he said that, a doctor who loves the Lord, I knew he was talking about me. He said, you know, everything just fell into place. I was in my early 30s. I wasn't married yet. I had just established this practice. I hadn't hired a lot of people yet. If anyone could pick up and go to Guatemala, it was me. I asked him, what was your biggest obstacle? you know, that you had to overcome. I said, you know, I thought it was going to be money, but it really wasn't because as soon as I expressed interest, I I went to this huge church and I had all the money I needed. The biggest obstacle was that I am scared to death flying. Not like I need to to pop a Benadryl and, and sleep through the flight, but like, like serious phobia, I cannot get on an airplane. I said, what do you do? Well, I prayed to Jesus and said, I know you want me to do this, but I'm scared of flying. I said, did he answer your prayer? I said, yes. He said, drive. That's what he did. He drove from Indiana to Guatemala took his dad with him, and his dad flew back. I looked it up on Google Maps this week. It was like 2,600 miles. He, he would have drove from, uh, from uh, Indiana to Texas and then along through Mexico along the Gulf Coast and then would have wound up in Guatemala. So it took him about a week. How far are you willing to go? Now, I don't think all of us are called to drive the coast uh, of the Gulf of Mexico and then learn Spanish when we get there. I don't think that's what God's calling all of us to. 
Well, he's calling some people to that. And if it were you, what would you say? How far are you willing to go? Now, I'm still in training on all of this. I've still got people opening up my head and pouring some theology in there. And, and, and so I may be wrong about this. But here's what I think. I think you can be a Christian and go to heaven when you die and never really be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when you think about it, Jesus would, uh, he had come into town and he would heal all these people. He would fix what was wrong with them, not just their diseases, but what was wrong in their hearts. He would say, your faith has made you well. He would say, your sins are forgiven. He would say, go and sin no more. Right? People would have, have these life-changing encounters with Jesus. And then he would go into the next town. The disciples were the ones that followed him from town to town. The disciples were the ones that realized that Jesus was the Lord of their life that he was their ultimate authority, and that they were going to go wherever Jesus went. And so I asked that, is that you this morning? Are you called to follow? Are you called to be his disciple? I'm not talking about heaven. Jesus can come into your mother-in-law's house and, and, and make everything right and then blow back out. And he still loves you. But I'm talking, are you called to drop everything and follow? To place your life in submission to your Lord? To be his disciple? If so, you need to count the cost. Make sure you're not going to come up a couple bricks short a couple legions short of winning the war. Make sure you're able to go with him all the way. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to sing a song, a perfect song for this, I Surrender All. And um, I just want you to have this time... uh, Use the altar, kneel at the altar of your heart. But if you need to do some surrendering in 2019, if you need to uh, recognize Jesus is, is more than just this guy that blows into town and blows back out when you need him, but as the Lord that you're going to follow for the rest of your life. Uh, if you need to do that this morning, then I just invite you to use this time to submit to his lordship. Amen.